This is Archive Atlanta, episode 121, Christmas Card Lady. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this was supposed to be a mini episode for my Patreon contributors, but it is spring break for my daughter, and we decided to drive to Florida to see my brother for the week, and I needed a vacation really bad. So I took time off from my day job and I am releasing this mini episode for you guys. I don't know about you, 2020, I seem to have held it together and 2021 has just like kicked me in the butt. So while I take a breather and work on some more full length episodes for you, I just couldn't pass up the chance to share this tiny Atlanta history blip that is so joyful and so fun. And I know we needed that after last week's episode. As is always the case, I was researching something completely different. I think it was an apartment building on Ponce when I came across the mention of the Christmas card lady. The what? I had to know who this was, what this was, and so here we are. The story of Atlanta's Christmas card lady and how she single-handedly recycled thousands of cards and what she did with them. Laura Watson was born in 1886 to parents John and Francis, and from reading between the lines, she was sickly from birth. As a child, she wanted to be a missionary to China, but she couldn't do so because of her health. She never married or had children, and by 1950, we have confirmation of her living in apartment C5 at 957 Ponce de Leon Avenue, called Buford Court Apartments. Now today that address is 963, but they are still standing. Her Christmas card story began around 1940, when her brother fell ill in New Orleans, but because Laura was also ill and couldn't visit, she turned to creating a scrapbook to send him. Now sadly, he died just months later, and Laura turned her attention to spreading holiday joy to others that were confined during the holiday season or couldn't see their families. She also had lived through the Great Depression, which was a rough time. So greeting cars were really expensive and considered a luxury, and Laura was highly skilled at recycling used greeting cards. Basically, she would use scissors, glue, craft materials to repurpose the cards. Either she would cut out a picture and kind of glue it onto another one, um, she would cover old signatures, and then she would take everything and put it in a fresh new envelope and send it out. She'd mail them mostly in the beginning to the Milledgeville State Hospital, which if you did not know was the largest facility to treat mental illness and developmental disabilities in the state of Georgia. Laura's name first appeared in the Constitution in 1950, described as 65 years old, a frail 88 pounds, and quote, virtually a shut-in, end quote. The request was for Atlantans to mail her their used holiday cards. In 1949, before quote-unquote going public, she had sent 2,500 cards 400 booklets to the hospital using 20,000 old cards to complete the task. In 1951, famed Constitution columnist Celestine Sibley began to write about her. And by 1952, with her newfound publicity, the Christmas card lady received 253,000 cards in her small apartment. She had to set aside an entire room for the project. And in that year, she was able to send 500 booklets to Milledgeville, which were placed on patients' trays on Christmas morning. Along with those, Milledgeville got 1,000 birthday cards and 3,700 Christmas cards. There was 15,000 cards sent to missionaries in Africa, 70 boxes to children's hospitals, goodwill centers, and schools, 500 birthday cards, and 1,000 Christmas cards for Battle Hill Haven, um, which I think I talked about in the epidemics episode. There was 2,500 to the Alabama State Hospital for the Insane, 200 to shut-ins, and 1,100 to just random ministers in rural areas to distribute as they saw fit. 
And this was in a year that she said she was sick a lot and so didn't accomplish as much as she wanted to. Now, she did have a little bit of help. So her Sunday school class from Druid Hills Baptist Church helped her. And there was a woman named Miss Mildred Hardy, who was a board member at Eventide. And she had um, herself and then six residents of Eventide help. Now, Eventide, if you didn't know, was a charity nursing home for older women in Atlanta. By 1955, Laura Watson was begging Atlantans to stop sending cards. She says, quote, this is one apartment, not the Candler Warehouse, end quote. By the way, today, the Candler Warehouse is what we call the Met development in Adair Park. The next year, she's almost 70, and she has run out of room and energy. The apartment owner is allowing her and her friends to use some vacant storage space in the basement, I think it was. But her new idea is she's going to show others what she does, how to do it, and take a step back. In 1957, she had her first official trainees. The pilot club was something that began in Macon in 1921, named for the riverboat pilots that represented leadership and guidance. And so while the description of the club is really vague, it seems like it was just a group of women doing charitable, nice things. So by the time of the Christmas card lady, there was almost 10,000 pilot club members nationwide. And the Atlanta chapter had a thousand members that wanted to help make these cards. They call themselves assistant Christmas card ladies. I think this short break was just what Laura needed because she continued to do some of the work. But by 1962, advertised in the Constitution that she was ready to start again and needed more cards. She was able to send 20,000 to Milledgeville, uh, 2,000 booklets and three cartons of birthday cards. So it's not surprising that in 1963, she can barely see out of the windows of her Ponsilian apartment. And she says that she's quote unquote snowed under. In 1968, Celestine Sibley set out to find her replacement. Apparently, someone told Laura Watson that Sibley said she was dead. And so she wrote to her saying, quote, only half dead and very busy, end quote. But retirement or at least semi-retirement was definitely on the horizon. Laura said, quote, I wish I had had another life. I have so much I want to do, end quote. By 1969, we found a new Christmas card lady, Caroline K. Savers of 2122 McClendon Avenue. She was previously from California, where she had lived for 20 years. She was a member of the pilot club, and so they had done something similar in California to Watson's work, and so she, you know, she kind of felt comfortable doing it. In Atlanta, Carolyn had worked as an executive secretary to Carling Dinkler Sr. for 17 years. She was even on the Better Films Committee, which I talked about in episode 97. Seavers was only able to serve for six years or so before suffering a broken leg from a stairwell fall. And so her son moved her out to the state of Washington to be closer to him. Laura Watson, the OG Christmas card lady, died in April of 1978 at the age of 92. She was buried at Tuskegee Cemetery in Alabama. So there you have it, the short story of Atlanta's Christmas card lady. Do you remember Laura Watson? Maybe your grandparents do. Maybe we'll get another person to take up the mantle one day. For now, I think sharing her history and memory is a great way to honor a selfless woman with no children of her own to do that for her. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating or review. Hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.